0: On to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Mark Herrima to the show. After a decade of research, Mark and his team developed a technology that uses a natural process found in the ocean to make a material called air carbon. Air carbon is a meltable energy storage molecule made in almost all known living things that is strong, meltable, and ocean-degradable. Air carbon is now being used to replace plastic in single-use foodware, fashion products, and a variety of other applications. Newlight has been honored to receive recognition as Biomaterial of the Year by the NOVA Institute, Innovation of the Year by Popular Science, and Technology Pioneer, by the World Economic Forum. In 2016, New Light was awarded the Presidential Green Chemistry Challenge Award by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing great, Raj, thanks for having me. Mark, thank you for joining. Mark, where are you currently located? I am in Los Angeles today. And how's the weather in LA? Um,
1: It is, let's see. There's no clouds in the sky. Um, it's 68, so it's a little bit cold today. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a standard, standard gray LA day.
0: To put that in reference, I'm, I'm in Dallas and it's uh, 50 today. So you're warm. <laughs>
1: yeah, that that sounds that
0: sounds tundra like. <laughs> so, Mark, I would like to open the show by asking my guest the following question: If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? <laughs>
1: Uh, that's a, I find that to be a hard question, which maybe isn't itself telling Um, well, I, I play a lot of piano. That's something that, uh, I picked up, um, at an age when everybody else was probably (laughs) giving it up. I, I picked it up when I was, uh, I think 12 or 13. So I was doing these, uh, I took about six months of lessons and I was doing piano recitals, you know, as this like. You know bigger guy and and there's like these four and five year olds and we're playing the exact same song uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i I was pretty bad for for a long time, but I just never stopped and uh, it's become a real love of mine so i i I get to play you know a fair amount and um it's one of my passions and I, I don't really share that really with too many people, but it's uh something I really like,
0: but I think that's something telling about your personality there, and i'll and I'll kind of frame it this way my oldest daughter did taekwondo a few years ago. And every once in a while, a parent would join. And you know, you mentioned the size difference, which is very obvious when you have eight and nine-year-olds and you've got an adult in the room there, it's a white belt starting. So you had this moment here when you were, let's say, 12, 13 years old, you were doing recitals with children that were, you know, kids that were younger than you, let's say between the ages of six and 10. And you were able to go through that phase that uncomfortable phase about you know being in a room where perhaps you did stand out what was it about you that allowed you to stay with it
1: um i had this strange love for soundtracks and i really loved hearing them played on the piano so the (laughs) one of my favorite movies growing up was was terminator 2 and um my mom was in church choir and she had this little like 10 key keyboard. And uh, after the movie came out, I, I ha- saw that keyboard and I tried to reproduce the soundtrack. And and then I I just obsessively wanted to play it everywhere I was, like at church or or department store or whatever. And um, so my mom eventually said, hey, do you want like a slightly less terrible keyboard? And so I, I got that. And I just I really just had this weird joy for the sound. And so um I think maybe also, you know, my, my parents weren't asking me to to do it. It was almost if anything in the other direction. Um, and so it was always just a, a a joy that I was able to freely pursue at my own pace. And so, you know, I some there were there were times when I didn't do it much and then and then now it's it's something that I I, I do a lot more frequently. So um I don't know. I, I think it was just following the joy.
0: What was your favorite scene from T Two?
1: <laughs> um I mean it's hard to to beat the tearjerker when he's when he's you know at the very end where he gives the thumbs up. Uh-huh. Um but the my my all-time favorite uh part of the movie and this it comes through in a few different places uh is this quote that that runs through both T1 and T2 which is that there's no fate uh and and the whole the whole quote is the future's not set there's no fate but what we make for ourselves. Um, and that is something that has been a major pillar for me throughout my whole life. Um, and it's something that, um, you know, also plays very strongly into, into our company. Um, not to, not to segue, but, you know, when we look at climate change, there is, I think a broad sense that this thing is, is happening number one, which we all, which is absolutely true. Um, but number two, almost that it's so big that are, are we, are we, are we really going to stop it? Or are we just, you know, shouting at at each other while we fall into the abyss here? And I think that it's really important to remember that the future is not set, right? Like the story is not yet written and we can still change things by our actions. Um, and so this, the whole motif of like this, this, you know, granted it's a Terminator, but just, you know, not giving up, like never stopping and, and, and always operating with the, the knowledge that, that your actions can change the future. That, that was just very inspiring to me.
0: So I'm a T fan also. Did you watch the last one last year? Uh, there have been so many. What was the one last year? It was the final one with, uh, when Linda and Arnold both yeah. came back.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. I actually, I loved it for, for a couple of reasons, but the the biggest reason why I loved it going back to the beginning was they finally started to reuse the soundtrack, this epic soundtrack. Um, and thank God James Cameron, you know, finally brought it back in. Um, but you know, getting, getting Arnold in there and seeing him as a family man was, uh, you know, I I thought it was great. Uh,
0: yeah. Hilarious just seeing him, you know, in that cabin out in the woods. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so funny um so yeah i think i think in my order would be t2 would would be the best t1 is is a close second um and then it it fell off distinctively for a while um the terminator redemption was awesome and then it's just you know the nostalgia of this last one was was great too
0: so i promised to leave t behind in a moment but that opening scene in t2 in the bar to me is one of my favorite scenes
1: Oh, yeah. I need your clothes, your boot, and your motorcycle. Like, how do, I don't know how you beat that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, let's do the segue here. You mentioned climate change earlier. Can you give the audience an overview of New Light and your role at the organization? Sure. Um,
1: so, I'm, I'm co-founder and CEO. I, I co-founded the company with uh, my friend Kenton Kimmel back in 2003, and New Light was, was founded on the mission to turn greenhouse gas into useful products. So our concept was, you know, everybody's looking at greenhouse gas or at the time was looking at green, greenhouse gas as just sort of this, you know, waste product that's just going into the air and we should just either try to bury it or tax it. And we said, well, wait a minute. There's, there's distinctive value in that material, greenhouse gas, uh, nature, uh, converts greenhouse gas into materials all day, every day, why can't we do something similar? And so what we set out on was a mission to figure out how to do that in a controlled, scalable way to make products that could compete with incumbent materials. But uh, instead of being made from synthetic, you know, uh, fossil fuels are made from greenhouse gas and specifically methane or carbon dioxide. So that's what we do. We take greenhouse gas, we turn it into this beautiful material called air carbon. Um, which can be used to replace things like plastics and leather but they have distinctive um, benefits for instance ocean degradability or carbon negativity that we can use to start to change the uh, environmental impact of, of some major industries
0: and so you kind of touched on it what kind of products can be made from what you're producing
1: so, air carbon is this molecule that is made inside of, of living cells. Um, more specifically, what we found was that within a number of environments, but including the ocean, there are microorganisms that eat greenhouse gas as their food. And when they do that, one of the things that they make inside of their cells is this molecule that we call air carbon. Um, it just so happens that when you extract this material and you turn it into a fine white powder, um, it's meltable. And because it's meltable, you can then form it into all kinds of parts, pieces, shapes. You can turn it into fiber and thread. You can turn it into sheet, which can be made into leather. You can form it into shapes to replace plastics. Um, but the key thing is because it's made throughout nature, if it ends up in nature, nature recognizes it as itself. It knows what to do with it, kind of like a tree leaf. So that means you can make something that looks and feels like plastic but it's totally ocean degradable. Um, the other thing is, as it's done in nature, when you when a tree grows, that's a carbon negative process. Uh, when we make our air carbon product, because we use renewable power, that's also a carbon negative process. Um, and so not only are we able to replace things like plastics for knives and forks and spoons, um, but we're also able to use the material to replace things like leather, so to create a carbon negative leather material. And so we're using that, Today in, in the fashion space, so those are a couple of the of the places that we're moving into, fashion and and footwear. Um, but air carbon is a pretty versatile material. So over time, we'd love to get into um, you know a number of other industries like furniture and automotive and electronics and things of that nature.
0: So you mentioned the white powder. Is it converted into filament? Is the white powder converted into a filament, and then you extrude for three D printing, or do you go through a more traditional process?
1: Yeah, that's effectively it. So what we do is, um, we produce the, the material inside of the cells of these microorganisms. Then we put that through a high pressure filtration process that separates the microorganisms from the air carbon material. We then dry it. That creates this, this sort of fluffy white powder. And then we take that powder and we run it into what's called an extruder. And that's effectively where you make a filament. Um, so you, you, you melt it, and it comes out as these sort of spaghetti strands you run it through a, a cooling process um, and then once it's solidified you can chop it up into little little pellets and then now once you have those pellets you can run those into a wide range of, of machines that make everything from fiber to to solid shapes
0: so injection molding etc yeah
1: injection molding extruding um, there's a whole effectively Almost any process that's currently used to make plastics, um, we can we can use that process with air carbon as well.
0: So if somebody out there wanted to go buy something made from your product, where would they go?
1: Well, we're super excited to just have launched um, two, two brands that use air carbon. Um, and so we've launched our foodware brand. Uh, it's called Restore Foodware. And we've also launched our fashion brand, uh, which is called Covalent, Covalent Fashion. Um, so they would just go on our, our websites. Um, so we've got newlight.com, which is where, you know, it's just sort of the overall company. Uh, and then Restore Foodwear um, is a website that talks about our, our foodware made from air carbon. And then Covalent Fashion is, is where we have our fashion products. And those can be uh, purchased today.
0: What kind of products are under both those labels?
1: So, on the fashion side, we're really excited. These are all what we call regenerative products. And what that means is every single product that we make in, in, the, in Covalent is carbon negative. Um, so what's really distinctive about that is, you know, we talk about sustainability and, and making things sort of less bad, right? Like 20% less emissions, but there's still emissions these products actually reverse the flow. So, kind of like growing a tree, when we make these products, um, we are reducing the amount of, of carbon dioxide equivalent greenhouse gas that would otherwise be in the air. So, um, so every single product has the exact amount of carbon reduction associated with it listed. And we recognize that sometimes that's that can be a pretty broad statement. That's kind of hard to get your arms around. So, we spent uh, the past couple of years working with IBM to apply blockchain tracking technology to our production process so that when you get a product, it comes with this number. We call it the carbon number. And that number is the specific moment that the air carbon in, in your specific product was, was, was grown, was made. And when you plug in that number into our blockchain tracker, um, you see every single step in the process, the timestamp associated with it. As well as the specific carbon impact associated with your product and who verified it on a third party basis, so it's a it's a blockchain tracking system that has never been done in the industry, um, and we think it's really cool. It's sort of bringing traceability and transparency to the next level, um, and also helping you know um, people understand the process uh, a little bit better because it's it's a multi step process. It's new, so it's understandably you know sometimes hard to at first wrap wrap your arms around it but um so we're really excited about that those are those are carbon negative products um and again sort of built on this this idea that hey things can change like the the future is not set and here's physical proof of that um so that's really exciting on the 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 foodware side um these are uh we're we're using air carbon to make regenerative foodware so in the same way that our our, our fashion is net carbon negative. So is our foodware. Um, but it also has another property. So our straws, for instance, because they're made with this natural material, they're ocean degradable. Um, but they're also reusable. So air carbon in sort of a, just a luck here that nature happened to make it this way. Um, they're totally dishwasher safe. So the products that we make, we hope people reuse them over and over. Um, but if they, if, if they are discarded in such a way where they happen to end up in the environment, unlike synthetic plastic, um, that never goes away, this material will degrade about as fast slightly faster than cellulose. Um, and so what you have is, is this nice nexus of a a product that, that finally works, you know, it never gets soggy. Uh, doesn't Doesn't <laughs> crap out on you, you know. Mid smoothie um, <laughs> in hot and cold drinks, um, and it feels great. It's smooth. It's kind of like everything you love about a, about a normal plastic straw, if if you did love that plastic straw. But um, it's got the environmental features of paper, so it's totally degradable. Um, so we're really excited about that because we think that in order to create scalable change and create the kind of impact that we need. You got to have products that work for people and the planet. Right. And I know it sounds kind of cliche, but like paper straws, uh, it doesn't matter where you go in the world. Pretty much everybody hates paper straws and that slows down the adoption rate and makes it harder for them to take over that whole market. Um, but we also know that plastic has tons of problems. So we, we were on a mission to find that sort of that middle ground of, of like, where can we all agree? Well, if we've got a great straw that never gets soggy, but it Goes away if it ends up in the environment. That's that's great. We can all get on board with that.
0: So, what are the products under your covalent brand right now?
1: Um, right now, we are uh, the the first generation of products that 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 we're offering are eyewear. So we've got um, uh, three styles of eyewear: uh, a men's, a women's, and a, and a unisex. Um, actually <laughs> you'll, you'll be, uh, you'll be pleased to know that one of the, the men's styles is very similar to the, uh, <laughs> the Terminator too. uh we, I, we did a spoof picture, uh, compared, you know, there's that, that T2 poster where he's holding the, the gun up. It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. much the same eyewear that he takes from that guy in, in the, the, the bar, uh, early on. There. Um, so that's, that's one of our, so we've got three different styles of eyewear. And then we also have a number of air carbon leather products. So. Um, some wallets coin purse clutch and a a handbag and we'll just continue to expand that that collection as as we grow here
0: i'm seeing an entire line of terminator like material (laughs) including the leather jacket and the pants uh
1: yeah you know that's a good that's a good uh, roadmap for product development
0: (laughs) so is this for retail b2b b2c can individuals you know purchase these products right now
1: yeah, so on the fashion side, um, this is D2C right now, so anybody can go online and and uh, and pick up these products. Um, we are also starting to work on uh, collaborations that that we'll be announcing in the fashion space. Um, but yeah, these are these are direct to consumer. Um, over time, we do hope that air carbon leather and resin become you know an important part of of the fashion ingredients list we'd love to see air carbon leather for instance replace a lot of animal and synthetic leather that have a you know that are emitting carbon into the air and have a host of other problems um on the foodware side we've we've already started to move those to market on a on a b2b basis and we are going to be launching them on a d2c basis here uh in the coming weeks um so those will be moving to market uh both b2b and d2c here uh pretty shortly
0: now, obviously, without giving away, giving away any trade secrets, what's the process of capturing and then producing the material or the white powder at the end?
1: Well, it, 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 there's kind of two starting points. Number one, you gotta you gotta find that that microorganism from the ocean that that eats greenhouse gas. And so, we spent many years, you know, field tripping and, and and looking and screening um, before we before we found our, our star candidate there. Um, once you have that though, you have to, you have to feed two ingredients, uh, when, when we're using methane, it's air and methane. Those are the, it, so it needs the oxygen from the air and the carbon and hydrogen from methane. So there's a lot of different places where you can get that methane. Um, over the years, we've used it directly from, uh, biogas being produced at farms, uh, landfills from the carbon dioxide standpoint, we've taken, uh, CO2 being emitted from an ethanol plant, Today, one of our favorite uh, ways of of getting both renewable power and also renewable methane is by utilizing the existing infrastructure. So in the same way that we currently buy renewable power from the grid, um, we've also contracted with a, um, a company that is working with an abandoned coal mine system. And at that, at that abandoned coal mine, they have a lot of emissions that are going up and into the environment. So what they've done is they've created a collection system. So it catches all these emissions and then it purifies, uh, separates out all the other gases, creates a purified methane stream that goes into the pipeline. And then we we effectively own the rights to that. So we in the same way that we buy renewable power off the grid, we can buy that um, sustainable methane off the grid but that's just one of many models. So, um, you know, in the case of a landfill, they're already capturing it. Um, and it basically is now in, in the form where it's coming out of a pipe. So you can either pipeline inject that or put it into a a tube trailer and truck it. So there's a number of ways to, to get that over to our system. Once we've got that, then we feed that to the microorganisms. Um, and so they'll, they'll eat the air and the greenhouse gas exact same way that they do in the ocean. Uh, in fact, if you look at the the BP oil spill, one of the things, number of articles about this, National Geographic and so forth, where they showed that um, the amount of methane that went into the ocean water, a lot of it didn't reach the ocean surface. And as they looked, they found out that these, they're called methanotrophs, uh, microorganisms that eat methane, consumed this methane as it was bubbling up through the ocean water. We effectively have that exact same process in a modular form on land so we take a big stainless steel tank we fill it with with uh with salt water we add in those microorganisms we feed them air and methane bubble that through there they consume that fill their cell up with air carbon and then we push it through the filtration and drying process that i mentioned
0: so it sounds like a quite a long lengthy process you've been doing this for 17 years when did you have that breakthrough moment when you knew you had a product
1: You know, uh, I'm not a huge horoscope person, but I will never forget that the day that I read the, um, the article about methane emissions back in June of 2003, that, that set off this, this whole journey. Um, (laughs) it also just so happened that there was a, a horoscope that said the journey of your life starts today. Um, but it's not going to be an elevator ride. It'll be an escalator ride. And I've found that to be abundantly true. Um, In in the case of this technology, it's been a lot of small steps coming together. There there have been, you know, key breakthrough moments um, on the the microorganism, getting it to produce at at very high yields, um, our downstream purification technology, figuring out how to do that, you know, really cost effectively. Um, And those all felt like their own individual sort of aha or, or breakthrough moments i mean there was there was an evening um where we had our our first big breakthrough on the yield and at that point we've been working on this thing for for years i'll never forget this moment because um the way that we can test for that is we run an infrared scan into our uh, reactor and so you can see how much material that, that you've made inside of the cell and we've been working this thing for a while and um we were trying it, you know, a thousand things. And, 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 uh, there, you know, there's plenty of frustration back in those days when you're trying to get to something and it's taken a long time and it finally broke through and it was about two in the morning and we ran the scan, reran the scan. And it was such a big and important moment that I literally just started sprinting through our, our factory, which at the time was this, uh, converted car garage. It, it was kind of this crazy car garage from the outside. You know you couldn't tell anything and then you go inside you open up the door to the back and it's just like willy wonka biofactory <laughs> um anyway so i started sprinting down through that and it was just so joyous um <laughs> the next day you know everything was like all right all bets are off let's change this thing so we're redoing a bunch of the vessels i had this like three foot long wrench and i was changing something it slipped and my head slipped and 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 cracked on a on a on a pipe and and split open and I'm laying there on the factory floor as things bleeding and I I'm just like you know what but I'm so, I'm so happy with it. <laughs> what is that it's okay um, so we had a number of those moments but um, you know it's 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 interesting because even today when I hold these products in my hand it's just there's a there's a little bit of joy that comes along with it. Because this this thing at one point was just this gas, and now you're holding a solid material, and whether it's foodware that isn't going to clog up the environment, um, or it's it's eyewear that is reversing the flow of carbon for the first time, it's just it's this weird just little sense of joy there. And so um, I don't know. I, I it's it, there have been so many moments, um, I, but at least certainly a few weeks ago, you know. Bringing these these brands to market was was another moment of joy for us.
0: Now, if my research is correct, this is the first company you started after school. Is that correct? After college, uh,
1: that's correct. Actually, we started it while we were still in college, so somewhere between junior and senior year.
0: So it leads nicely to the crux of our conversation, you know, which is the why. This is a really big challenge. What made you take on such a big project right out of school or actually while you were finishing up school um
1: i guess a couple reasons one i I, i've always felt that in order to make large-scale change one of the best ways to do that is to is to get things into alignment and and specifically if you can find a market-driven solution to things that tends to be something that can really scale so my senior thesis, for instance, was on looking for market-driven solutions to addressing um, world hunger. And in the case of greenhouse gas, it felt like, hey, if if we can find a way to make beautiful products out of greenhouse gas that people want, and they're better than what what we previously had, then what we what we create is a tool where consumers can actually move the ball. And now we've now we've aligned things because a lot of people, most people, want to want to help solve these things, but they just don't have the tools to do it. And so that was that was something that was really inspiring to us. Sort of a sort of part of the why was creating a a a, a pathway where we have alignment to to fix this problem. But but the other the other why um, kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is I think. Uh, we, myself and Ken, just, there's a certain frustration of like, things don't have to be this way, <laughs> you know, like we, th- this fight is not over. Um, and there are so many people now pushing and trying and fighting and, and we wanted to be part of, of that, um, to, to show in, in physical form that there is another way. And, and, <laughs> you know, in, in, the immortal worlds of, of Terminator two, the future is not set. Um, so those are, those are a couple of the big pillars that, that drive us. The, this idea that, that, you know, this story's not yet written and, and also um, that mutual alignment, shared good. Those, those are the things that, that can really scale.
0: Take us back though, you know, essentially you and Ken are having this conversation about creating something out of nothing, out of air. What does that look like?
1: Well, you know, when whenever that line is used, um we always say actually it's not creating something out of nothing. It's recognizing that whereas sometimes people saw nothing, there was actually so much there. If you breathe in right now, um there's a there's a universe going on. You've got oxygen, you've got nitrogen, you've got little bits of carbon dioxide and methane. You know, we we forget about how powerful air is, right? It's just this thing, but, but hold your breath for, for a little while and, and see how valuable this stuff is. Um, wave your hand, you know, through the room that has physical form. So in fact, there's, there's a, there's a whole world in, in greenhouse gas and air, and they hold so much value. Um, there's probably a, a bigger life lesson there. But, um, so what we did was we said, Hey, look, um, people saw nothing, they, it, it's just this thing going into the air, but in fact, nature sees greenhouse gas as this immensely beautiful, useful material. Let's learn from that, and let's 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 see if we can can mimic processes that that utilize greenhouse gas as a resource. And that that was the pathway that led us to turning air and greenhouse gas into into
0: products. You know, it reminds me, or to paraphrase um, Sherlock Holmes, everyone sees, but not everyone observes. <laughs>
1: My, uh, I like that a lot. Um, my, my very influential science teacher for me, uh, it was AP environmental science in high school. Um, Marv Sherrill, one of the best, best humans out there. Um, but his, his quote was, you only see what you know. And, um, what I, what I really liked about that was we, we had this, this trip that concluded, uh, the, the class, we went down to Baja and we, and we camped. And he made the point throughout the years that when, when we get down there, you know, what you see and how enjoyable this is will be a function of, of really how much you, you know about what's going on. When you look out and you see this estuary, when you, when you know the cycles that led to its formation, when you pick up that rock and you see these different, you know, worms or life or, or whatever. But the more you know about them, gosh, the more fascinating and enjoyable that, that all is. Um, and so, you know, you, you, when you take it back to, to greenhouse gas, um, it's, it's this incredible thing, right? I mean, like it keeps us warm. It, it, it's the backbone of all the, the growth that we have in the natural world. Um, so it, we've demonized it, but the more you know about it, actually it's a, it's a, it's an incredible thing. Um, and I think that that's something that, that really can be expanded to, to so many things. Like. I'll geek out on, on ocean currents. I just think that they're the the coolest thing, like how they come to be, you know, basically the unequal heating of the earth and the spinning of the earth. And and then you get all these, these patterns that you can then chart out. Um, you know, it's just like, (laughs) I don't know, I I could, I could go down a thousand rabbit holes, but yeah, the, the, the more that you know, it just, the, the world opens up.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned ocean currents. Um, I often tell my daughters, you know, we have the the cycles of the moon and the the waves. And I say, look, if the moon can affect the oceans, the earth is, you know, 80% water. We too are, let's just call it 80% water. Just imagine what those cycles are doing to us too. And you mentioned earlier regarding um, horoscopes and we kind of joked regarding terminator, but there's so many things that we still don't know what the effect is, whether it's upon us or the earth or the universe itself. So you know, you geeking out on that, I I I pretty much do the same thing here at home.
1: Oh, I think that's great. And and it reminds me of you know the body as sort of a microcosm. I mean, rough percentage-wise, you know, in the same way that the earth is whatever it is, 70 to 80 percent water, and um the body also is is in that that range. Um and so you're right, to the extent the moon can can you know move this massive body of water. Um, it probably has an impact on us. We don't fully know what it is, but, um, but there's lots of things like that, right? Like the power of a, of a spoken word, you know, uh, I actually ran this experiment. It wake up in the morning and, and give yourself a, a hearty dose of, of some nice words. It will impact you in the positive direction. Um, why and how we don't fully know, but, um, there's, there, there's a lot there that, um, uh, you know, that that we don't fully understand, but but can have a real big impact.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I think there was this uh, experiment where they put, and I don't know if it really happened or not, but the Petri dish and one group of individuals said positive words into it and one said negative words. And apparently there was better growth in the positive dish than the negative dish.
1: You know, we've actually seen that in a number of places and I'm looking Oh, my. oh, here it is. Um, so it's, there's this book called the hidden messages in water. Um, and uh, this, uh, the scientist, uh, Dr. Emoto, um, he basically says, or, or tapes, you know, nice words to water and then freezes them and, and um, takes pictures of the crystals. And as you might imagine, you'd probably predict, yeah, the, 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 the crystals with like love or, you know, happiness or whatever are well formed and then hate and things like that are, are sort of deformed. And I think, you know, most, a lot of people would say, okay, I like that. Do I fully buy it? I don't know. Um, it's, it's some, it's one of those things though, that I almost say, you know, I don't, I don't know either, but what I can tell you is that almost definitely, if you say a nice word to somebody that's gonna, that's gonna um, result in a, in a better thing than if you said a negative word. And it reminds me of, um, I don't know. Have you seen that, that, uh, that new movie, My Octopus Teacher?
0: I've seen some of it.
1: Okay. So, um, there's a, there's a book kind of that preceded that it was called The Soul of an Octopus. Uh, um, and one of the lines that stuck out to me was that, um, uh, almost every living thing responds to kindness. And when you see in that movie that that octopus sort of like basically hug the guy um, mm-hmm. it's you know it, it's so fascinating but you know it's, it's another example of like there's there's more to there than meets the eye right and and small acts in the, in the right direction whether it's you know a, a moment where you recycle the moment where you um, you know didn't use plastic you used glass a moment where you said a nice word these, these single steps, these little things, they can add up to something really big. And um, you know, uh, I I think that's, that's one of the critiques that we've sometimes faced is people say, well, you know, isn't that just one straw? Isn't that just one pair of eyewear? Well, yeah, sure it is. And, And you're right. It is infinitesimal compared to where we need to go. But on the other hand. That whole challenge that we're up against is comprised of all these tiny, tiny, tiny little points that I've added up, which means that it's, it's an accessible challenge, right? Like we can address it through tiny, tiny acts all combined. And that is inspiring to us. It, it means you can get there.
0: Well, I think it goes back to earlier in our conversation when I said, you know, making something out of nothing and you quite rightly pointed out, but it's not nothing.
1: That's right that's right. Um, everything is is comprised of <laughs> a lot of smaller things um, you know what we accomplish in life, the relationships that we have um, and where the environment stands those are all a function of you know a near infinite number of decision points and, and, and acts and and that can seem daunting but the other side of that coin is it means it's accessible It means that whatever, Sort of challenge or 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 thing that we're trying to solve for, and all of us are trying to solve for things, um, whether in our personal or professional lives. But there is an accessibility there, and it and it lives in this 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 concept of a single step. You know, that everything starts somewhere, and that's how it all happens.
0: Absolutely. So you strike me as a very thoughtful individual, a person that spent some time doing introspection. What's the most valuable lessons that you would say you've learned about yourself on the 17 year journey
1: oh, that's a good question um, I, I think one thing that that has really stuck out to me more and more is that um, every every story is is unique um, you really can never judge a book by its cover um, take take an individual right like there there is no Person like that that's come before, nor will ever come again, and so you can never say I know exactly what you're all about, or where you're going, or what you know what your life holds for you. Nobody knows that. Um, really, only you decide kind of where that's going to go. And I've seen over time that there is everyone kind of has their own genius, right? Like you take a look at different plants if you if you really dig into those it's so incredible the technology but they've all gotten there their own way they're all different um and what has emerged for me over time is is this recognition that like there's just something truly of like profound um significance in, in everything like each person um but even you know on a on a chemical and physical level um there's just so much more there than than meets the eye and um i think that's just that's just i think opened up an an excitement and an appreciation and a humility um that that everybody has something truly incredible to to offer and we should try to to live in a way that that appreciates that um you know both for people and, and the natural world so I don't know. That's what comes to mind. But I I think, you know, there's been there's been a lot of lessons. Another one has been patience. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a long journey. And, um, uh, you know, just just a recognition that sometimes things take time and to try to get comfortable with that while also pushing as hard as you possibly can (laughs) at all times, Um, you know, in heavy manufacturing. You can't snap your fingers and, and all of a sudden a big plant comes online. It's, it's a multi-year process. You got to finance it. You have to design it, permit it, build it, commission it. These things take, take time. and um, uh, So there's a little bit of patience with that. But then learning to try to balance that deep impatience um, with, okay, if that's going to take that long, is there, is there a smarter way to do that? Um, so for instance, we just brought our, our first large scale commercial, pl- uh, commercial scale plant online, but we've built it in a way to be modular so that now going forward, we can just replicate these things and, and grow quickly. Um, so yeah, we've, um, we kind of, <laughs> we, we look at our, our pilot plant where we spent our first 10 years and it, we sometimes refer to it as the cave cause we, you know, we kind of went in. Uh, very idealistic and, and, uh, and brimming. And, um, you know, we, we took our shots and, and it, 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 took a, took a long time we went through hard times and, um, you know, a lot of great advances, a lot of setbacks, a lot of frustrations, but we just, we just kept learning and, and just decided not to stop. Um, and then we emerged with this technology and now we're, we're, you know, with that comes, deep humility, but also a heck of a lot of excitement about about what we can do.
0: Well, you have these products now, and you mentioned replicating. It's 2025, magic wand. What does the future hold for new light?
1: My magic wand is that we have um, stopped making single-use foodware out of plastic, and it's all being made out of air carbon. We've stopped the flow of plastics into the ocean so that we're no longer accumulating plastic in the ocean and that we're not going to go to this tragic scenario where we have as much plastic as fish in the ocean. Um, that's one on the, on the fashion side. Um, we want to be a major component of the, the, the fashion industry such that eventually we're on a pace to decarbonize that industry. So those are the two big, big focal points. And I want to see the air carbon production capacity get to, you know, global scale. Um, right now, we've got a goal to get to 20 billion pounds per year production. We laid that out because that's the amount of plastic currently flowing into the ocean every single year. Um, it's going to take time and, and capital and, and, uh, and, you know, continuous creative thinking on, on how to get there quickly but those, those are our big goals. That's, that's where we want to get to.
0: How many plants would you need to have running to hit that 20 billion goal?
1: Quite a few. Um, but to put that in context, the plastics industry is coming up on about a trillion pounds per year of, of production. So, um, it will still be relatively small compared to ultimately where we want to go. Um, but it, 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 will take, it will take a lot of plants. I, I can't give you an exact number because every plant's going to be an increasingly large size. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be dozens and dozens of facilities and we're working hard to try to get there.
0: Now, are you going to place them in different geographies around the nation or worldwide? Is that what your thought is?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're currently focused on North America, but um, we do have plans to, to move into to Europe and Asia as well and um you know our viewpoint is is to try to get there as fast as we can so that's something that we're working hard on right now
0: and one last question you you mentioned leather a couple of times is there any thoughts or considerations about um working with auto manufacturers
1: yeah absolutely so we're we're in some of those discussions now and we would we would love to do that um to so, such that you know all the the leather within a with, within a car is net carbon negative um we think would be a really cool thing
0: i think tesla is using a vegan leather right now i believe yeah
1: they've they've definitely i don't know if how, how far they are with that i know they announced that um which is you know a step in the right direction in terms of not using animals and all the 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 environmental challenges that come with that um we want to take that to a whole new category and say, not only are we not using animals, but let's reverse the flow of carbon, like growing a tree. Um, so uh, I love I love the advance, and we want to, we want to take it take it a whole whole another step.
0: Well, Mark, you've painted a beautiful picture. Leads me to my last question, which is, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? And it could be professional or personal. But I want to quote something you said before you answer that question you know, I found it on the internet on a video I watched about you. It says climate change is a symbol for what we can do in our own lives, which I think is beautiful. But if you could share some advice, I'd really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing that jumps out to me is is so simple and and probably sometimes doesn't hold as much emotional juice as we might like, but it's simply to never give up. Um, if you look at so many of the, the people that we could, we, could, we could talk about I've made headlines, right? Like the Michael Jordans, the, the, the Einsteins. One common theme that you find is that they'll, they'll often say, hey, I actually wasn't that much different. The, really, the only thing that, that I feel separates me is I spent longer at the chalkboard. I, 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 I practiced harder and longer than anybody else. Um, and what, what I have found in this journey is that the, the, the simple act of just deciding that you're not going to stop and continuing to plug, continuing to try, like asking more questions, keep iterating. If you believe deeply in your mission and and you decide that this is so important to you that you're just not going to stop, there's, there's so many ways to get there and you'll find those ways. Um, so I, I think, you know, I appreciate that you ask about the why, because if you can identify what it is that excites you, that gives you joy, that, that makes you feel so enthusiastic about going after it. Um, then it's, you know, also recognizing that that is not going to happen overnight. Um, so be comfortable in that, you know, just, just it's okay. They're going to be small steps. Sometimes it's going to go in the wrong direction. Maybe it's going to go in the wrong direction for a while, but you will have the ability to, to push it eventually to where you want to go. Um, and maybe it won't be exactly what you imagined in the beginning. But you'll create something something of, of real unique and and probably profound value because nobody else other than you could do that so um and that's why i think climate change and really is um in, in many ways a metaphor for our own lives because we all have things that feel eh, kind of close to close to impossible right we feel like we have these momentum points like oh things aren't going to change here um, we have things that we want to, we would like them to be different, but it feels like, gosh, how, how are we ever going to get there? We all have those things. I have those things. I have, I have those things right now. Um, but it's, it's important to, to recognize that in the same way that, that climate change is not a foregone conclusion as, as, as big as it seems, we created that. And that means that we can change that. Um, and and so uh, I, I think that going after climate change and and saying that this is one step at a time but we have to be creative and we have to be persistent that's also true in our, in our own lives and um, so that I think there's a there's a real strong correlation there.
0: Mark, I appreciate that that advice never give up very powerful advice. But I feel like what you said after that, regarding even if you're running in the wrong direction or running towards perhaps failure, at least you're moving and you're learning, and so I, learning. that really resonates with me very strongly.
1: You're learning. You know, at, at our company, we say there's no such thing as failure. Is not failure. Failure is data, <laughs> and data <laughs> you helps you figure out what you're what you're trying to do. So um, it's kind of like the we may fall, but we fall forward so um, yeah 100% agree with that
0: I understand well Mark it's been a pleasure speaking with you I look forward to watching New Light grow and catching up with you again soon awesome Raj pleasure was all mine thanks so much for having me on thank you Mark before we go I'm excited to share that we've launched our comic strip The Adventures of Mira and Nexi you can find the first issue at our website nexuspmg.com under the original content tab thank you for listening If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech, green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.